This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me. As always, on the other side is Mr. Jeff Abercrombie. Jeff, your 49ers are playing right now. Week four of the NFL season's concluding. Week five of the college football is in the books. How are you doing this evening? It's been a pretty good weekend, albeit a full one. And, um, you know, I'm I'm kind of burning the candle on both ends, uh, especially on the home front this week as Ashley's in your backyard in New York. And I've got Neely at home who's coming down with yet another baby bug and probably getting the whole house sick again. So <laughs> yeah. it's never ending with them, right? Yeah, those baby bugs. Once the kids are, uh, you know, in daycare and stuff like that, it, it's a never ending cycle. And if Matt was here with us tonight, he'd be saying the same thing with Bree in his household. He's been dealing with it on and off, you know, since the first one, the second one, the third one. Uh, you know, it, it, it never ends on the home front. That is for sure. Uh, but let, let's take our mind off of that and talk some football. Another exciting weekend of college football in the books. Why don't you kind of just kick it off for us in the NFL draft stock report for this week? Some names before we dig in a little deeper into some some prospects, some new guys that we haven't talked much about uh, this season. Maybe it's a little rundown of, of some names and some, you know, some, from of good performances uh, from this past weekend and some notable injuries. Yeah, we'll try this structure again where we do like just a quick two-minute drill and then we'll dive in deep down a couple names. And then, you know, I'll just give the listeners like a a preview. There's a watch list that I have ongoing and and we have a little Google sheet. We just keep tracking on it. And and I want to mention these names for them at the end of this uh, segment. So, you know, it's on their radars too. But let's let's start with a quick two-minute drill. We had two quarterbacks go down in-game to injury this weekend. Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, both left early mid mid game and um both both teams won but and it doesn't seem like the injuries are expected to be significant so we'll keep an eye on that but they should be back this season they should be back soon we also had really good games from the the names you we've been talking about all all year so far sean tucker he had an injury scare of his own blake quorum who's dominating the michigan backfield Deuce Vaughn, Zach Charbonnet, and of course, Bijan Robinson all had 100-yard good games. So we've talked a lot about them. They're worth mentioning there. But why don't we go into some of the names that we're actually targeting this week? And why don't we leave it off at the quarterback position with a guy I know you like, Jaron Hall? Yeah. And what's nice to see is, you know, we do this. We put these lists together. We we, we do the NFL, you know, uh, the scouting notebook and, and the summer preview shows and you know and then like the year kind of starts and like then you start hearing a lot more from the big draft media right like during the summer you see watch lists you see a little bit of bits of information here the Debbie community is always going strong but then as the year really goes on you start hearing more from the Daniel Jeremiah's and the Bucky Brooks and the McShays and the Kuipers and the Matt Millers and other people you know, who, you know, have, you know, Dame Brugler, who have boots to the ground, like ears, you know, connections. And when you start to hear guys generating buzz from the NFL circles, 
it kind of gets you excited, especially when it's a guy you're intrigued with. And Hall is that guy so far at the quarterback position. We talked a little bit about Cameron Ward last week, but Hall is really starting to gain some buzz and generating some buzz that, you know, I think it was McShay this past weekend was was talking about how like after like the Stroud and the Bryce Young, you know, it's kind of really up for grabs. And, and, And Hall is a guy who's making some noise. Every time I watch him play, He's not Bryce Young, but he does a lot of the same things as Bryce Young. Like he, he's almost like this the seventy five percent of Bryce Young version. He throws with good touch and anticipation. He, he's athletic, but he doesn't look to utilize that if he can avoid it. I think he's a little bit more athletic than Bryce Young, but I do think Bryce Young has got some untapped athleticism as well. He just looks to pass first. I think Hall the same thing, but he's a little bit more willing to run when he needs to, but it's not like a a primary part of his game, but it's in the the repertoire, almost like Russell Wilson in the NFL, right? Like he's never been a guy who wants to run, but he will when he can. I think Hall has that in his arsenal of tricks. Uh, I like the accuracy. I like the ability to move around in the pocket. This past weekend, 274 and three touchdowns. It's not even so much the statistics. We've seen Zach Wilson, you know, from BYU, you know, rise up the draft boards. And, and I don't think Hall is going to push all the way up to, you know, where we serve Zach Wilson. But I but I do think there's been a, a somewhat constant, steady drumbeat so far in the early going of the college football season that he seems to be generating a little bit more buzz every single week. And you're starting to hear about him more from, from the big the media guys in terms of the draft circuit. And, and I'm kind of excited by it because I do think it's up for grabs after the first couple of quarterbacks. And he could be a guy that maybe <clears throat> is a day two you know, type target for some teams and, and get a real opportunity. So he's he's probably the quarterback I'm most excited about right now in terms of guys that I think are making a move in terms of where I thought they might have been before the season started. And I think BYU is going to be a really strong team. They're not going to be put in a lot of disadvantageous situations, I think, the rest of the season. So, so I think he's going to put together a really strong year. It's going to be interesting to kind of see what the NFL thinks of him. Any thoughts on Hall, uh, Jeff, before maybe we take it to the next quarterback, who is really a new name to the show? Yeah, and I think, you know, Hall's one of those names that, you know, we didn't highlight, but is been on that watch list when you dive in and you're watching a different quarterback and or a different team, a different player, and then he's he's playing and, and you kind of get your eyes on there and you're like, oh, I think for me it was with Kansas State or something like that with Deuce Vaughn. But, uh, you know, it, with as much as their, you know, Zach Wilson is maligned, he is a number two to overall pick an NFL quarterback right now. And I mean, I think, you know, even if you wanted to make that comp from play style, for example, I think there's, there's a lot more nuance that's going to be very different between these two players, but uh, you know, a, like you said, a little bit like a uh, Bryce young, right? We see a lot of these quarterbacks kind of model their games and channel their Patrick Mahomes, right. And play off the run and use their legs and athleticism to, you know, create a little bit more versatility for their games. Um, you know, even if you were going to kind of say that, like that, that was a first round pick in the NFL draft. Right. So I think, uh, I, I think Jaron Hall would be just doing backflips if, if that's where he, you know, got to as a player so far. Um, and that just being able to get that opportunity. Um, and, you know, I'm with you. I don't think we're going to see that the drumbeat grow to the same extent. Um, 
that that we saw for Wilson. But you know, remember we sat here basically a year ago today talking about Wilson and talking about maybe his ceiling being that of a high second rounder if if a team falls in love with him and you know a team really fell in love with him and and the whole draft process really just kind of grabbed onto him and he he took a rocket ship to the moon and and went number two overall like you know we could sit here right now um but all it takes is one of those teams and when you talk about the draft buzz and the draft media starting to pick up on a guy you know it usually comes from you know those with a little bit of sources you know maybe there's a leak of a you know a scout's you know review and or you know some owners got their ears out or or eyes out and see something there and usually you know there's there's a little bit of buzz that comes around with that and at that point who really knows right i still think zach wilson i still maintain zach wilson didn't have the number 2 overall you know talent as far as the pick in that draft, but that doesn't mean that's not where he's not going to go. Right. Um, so with Jaron Hall, I think what our takeaway really is just, you've got to keep your eyes on him and not just your eyes on him, but really your ears out and open on the buzz of what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And you know, when, when you watch him play again, he's not gonna, we're not going to see him in a lot of moments where I think he's, really pushed which is unfortunate like we do like to see those like even like in the in the Bryce Young game against Texas he was terrible you know for like three and a half quarters but then like you saw him get pushed and then like he had to respond right like unfortunately we won't get to see Hall probably in too many big moments like that to kind of see how he responds but but he does does have like this poise about him that that I am intrigued with uh you know, and it's going to be interesting to kind of see, you know, how he can, how high he could ride, you know, that wave of momentum. So, Jeff, why don't you take it to the next guy? Uh, I have some thoughts on him, but why don't you kind of introduce him as well? Yeah. So, you know, out here on the Pac-12, we play way late at night. Well, um, we also have to wake up at 6.30 a.m. <laughs> to remove Kamara from our lineups uh, in the morning. So um, at least we don't have to watch 2 a.m. football. Uh, like you guys do if you're trying to get eyes on the Pac-12. But I'm talking about about Michael Penix, who uh, last week, 33 of 48 for 345 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. He's a big-armed quarterback out of Washington, 6'3", 220. Why don't you go in? It looks like you got a bit of eyes on him, a little bit of a scouting report. What's your thoughts on Michael Penix? Yeah, so I, I did get a little bit, not a deep dive yet, not enough to want to feel comfortable putting him in the notebook. But, you know, some initial takes, he's a guy, you know, once I start adding some new names to the notebook, he and uh, he's probably right at the top of, of the quarterback list that, you know, and uh, your boy, why am I drawing a blank from out there as well? Uh, who McShay was talking up last week? Why am I, I'm drawing a blank. The Fresno me. State guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fresno Jake State. Hainer? Yeah, yeah he's yeah. hurt right now too, though. Yeah, but just just in the overall, like you know, Penix and, and and Hayner are probably two guys that'll be added to the notebook, you know, before the end of the season, uh, you know, or if, if not, definitely right in the start of the pre-draft process. But in terms of Penix, you know, you mentioned it, great size and frame at six three two twenty. He's got a big arm. He's willing to put the ball into tight windows. He throws with good velocity. He's willing to make those NFL throws outside the numbers you know, deep, you know, in the middle of the field, pushing it all the way down the field and into those tight spots. 
to me, there's still a lot of development needed in terms of the quarterbacking, in terms of, you know, progression reading and, and some decision-making things. But I think he's a very toolsy prospect. You know, he's, he's dealt with some injuries, which is, you know, we never have kind of fully seen this develop yet. But but I think I think he's putting it together this year and he's showing the glimpses that you need to really start to generate that buzz like we were talking about. And when you have the prototypical size and frame and when you have the arm talent, that gets you on the radar a lot easier than the the non-ideal measurements. It's not like that's a, you know, we've seen plenty of outliers and non-ideal measurements go early in the NFL draft. So, but let's not kid ourselves. Like NFL teams still in a perfect world would love their quarterbacks to be 6'2 to 6'4 with a power arm, right? Like that's still the prototype, right? When we see Baker Mayfield get past his knockdown, when we see Kyler Murray get past his knockdown, you know, when we see at times Russ Wilson, you know, struggling for maybe inside the pocket when he's not moving around, there's still a reason why in a perfect scenario, the size, the frame, the big arm to put in tight windows, they that's still what they ideally would want. It's not, that's the only thing they want anymore, but it's still what they ideally want. So he has some of those ideal characteristics that now he's on the radar. And if he continues to put forward this really impressive year and he's not generating a ton of Twitter buzz yet. And I think it's probably because what you talked about, right on the PAC 12, it's just, you know, Twitter's a lot different during the day on Saturday and at the eight o'clock Eastern time, primetime games than it is 11, 12 o'clock at night. So I think you're starting to hear about him a little bit more. I think it was last week on uh, the draft stock exchange podcast, uh, you know, over at PFF and uh, Connor and, and Trey brought him up. So he's he's definitely starting to get some recognition out there. And I think he's another one because of the traits, uh, because of the big arm. If he can make it through the year healthy and continue to put up the numbers he's putting up, I think you're going to start to see him start seeing him on lists and like top 10, top eight, you know, quarterbacks, which is going to start putting him in the mix now with some of these other guys. And we've seen some guys fall that, well, every time guys fall, that means some guys usually rise up in rankings. And I think that's what we're starting to see here. You know, if a guy like Van Dyke is falling and doesn't declare because he's only a redshirt sophomore, who are some of the names that now are for us into that? What if Anthony Richardson decides to go back to school for another mm-hmm. year, right? So, so it's like this ebb and flow process. And if those guys don't come out this year, or their play, you know, doesn't warrant them being, you know, top 50 or top 100 picks. Well, then are some other quarterbacks then for us into the mix. And I think guys who are very traitsy like Penix and some other intriguing guys, Hendon Hooker, even though he's a little bit older, those guys get put into the mix a little bit and it opens the door for a guy like Jaron Hall, different style player to also, you know, climb up draft boards. Yeah. And like, maybe just a final thought here. I mean, he transferred out of Indiana where he, hadn't ever played more than six games in a season, right? That's where all those injury concerns potentially come from. But that's also another reason why he, again, it seems like he flashed in those games a bit. I do remember hearing his name, you know, watching him a few times, you know, a couple years prior, right? I just don't think that excitement ever got a chance to build enough momentum when you can't string together more than, you know, half a season. 
um, to really get started. And so, and again, now you're playing in the Pac-12 where, again, like you said, the eyeballs just aren't there, you know, on a, at least on the Twitter side of things. Um, and so that buzz just doesn't get get fully generated. But, you know, you mentioned that maybe there's some development to go and, and maybe that's because you just didn't get enough reps in the first four years of his career, you know, but that that's a little bit of a concern for a guy who's a fifth year, fifth year guy. But, you know, I, I think when you start to maybe finally dig down and you look, get in the head of the quarterback, when you actually sit down and do tape, not just watch the games or watch the replay of the games, but, but, you know, really sit down and break the play down by, you know, frame by frame almost. Um, that's when something like, that's when you can start to maybe not see as big of a gap between a guy like Penix and a guy like say Will Levis, who's, you know, just recent mock draft was put one overall. Right. Um, you know, like we always talk about those early mock drafts, they can look a little bit silly when we look at them in hindsight. And, um, and so I think that that's something to, to really keep an eye on as we go forward, you know, especially if he continues to, you know, really carry a program, Washington itself is, um, you know, is, you know, was getting some um, love as far as like the rankings go, I think as, um, you know, as the college season wore on, although they did uh, just suffer the upset there. So we'll, we'll see if they still have, you know, a little bit of a profile in the eyes of college football rankers. Why don't we go on? Um, we've got a few names on the running back side. You know, surprise, surprise. It's been a pretty phenomenal running back class, but we've even got some new names to touch on. Um, an old name, you know, one of our one of our favorites to go to, Jameer Gibbs. We haven't seen him dominate on the ground for Alabama. He's He's been pretty heavily evolved, involved as a pass-catching weapon as – you know, a lot of their other receiving uh, weapons haven't really stepped up. But Bryce Young goes down to injury, and Gibbs needs to shoulder the load. And 18 carries, 206 yards, two touchdowns. Two of those were 70-yard carries where he showed burst, and people question his athleticism or, or long speed, but he made 70-yard touchdowns outrunning DBs too. Did you have any further thoughts on Gibbs here? No, I mean, I think he just continues. What I'm, what, what's exciting about Gibbs is is by transferring to Alabama, I knew I know in the, the Debbie community, he's been a guy that we've been talking about for a long time. But the, the common NFL fan, like the draft fan that comes to the party a little bit late in the game and, and doesn't follow the Debbie circuit like we do and, and so many you know people do, might not have been too aware of Jameer Gibbs, but by now playing at Alabama, it's kind of now opened, it's kind of opened the floodgates for him to get the national attention that he deserves. And now you don't have to worry about people maybe looking at statistics or lack thereof at Georgia Tech. He's now putting, he's now going to have the ability to put up some really gaudy stats on top of just his traits and his his ability to impact the game in a variety of ways. And, you know, and, and you said it from the first time you watched B John, like, could anybody close the gap? And I think B John is still going to go one when, when, when push comes to shove, because I think Saquon is kind of reminding people like, 
certain rare talents and traits in terms of athleticism and stuff is just it's still if you put it all together that like Saquon is currently doing this year like he did his rookie year I still think that stands out but at the same time versatility and the ability to be impactful as a runner and a receiver I said it a couple weeks ago and I stand by it to me the perfect comp for for Jameer Gibbs is Austin Eckler you know Eckler doesn't have this blazing speed or athleticism. It's good. I think that's what Jameer Gibbs is. But Jameer Gibbs is, is, is a good runner. He's a patient runner. He's a great receiver, just like Austin Eckler is a great receiver. And he he might not have the size that you look at that you're like, oh, he's a he's a workhorse at the NFL level. But but Austin Eckler has shown that like you don't have to have certain sizes like you could still be a workhorse in a different type of role right it might be six receptions a game and you know twelve or you know twelve cat uh, carries maybe not thirty carries like Saquon had this week or we've seen Derrick Henry or something like that but but I do think Jameer Gibbs is starting at this point I don't really know if anybody else should really be in the conversation you know for for rb2 i mean i know i'm a big fan of a chain and that blazing speed so maybe him for some teams if that's what they're looking for maybe but i think and we'll talk about him in a few minutes guys like zach evans and tank bigsby like i don't think they're right now in the conversation of being that guy that could maybe nip at the heels of Bijan, and maybe you have something like a Kenneth Walker, Brees Hall, where they go within a few picks of each other and there's almost no separation. And I'm sure Kenneth Walker was the number one running back on some teams boards. There might be some teams that prefer Gibbs to Bijan, And, and that might be the way it might not, it might end up being Bijan going one, but I could, I could, I could see totally down the line, Somebody takes Jameer Gibbs and we hear after the fact that he was the number one back on their board. I just think he's a very complete running back that just does a lot of really things well and is a great, great receiver. And and I think some teams will really, really value that component, maybe even more than the straight tools or athleticism of a guy like B. John. Yeah. And I'm with you because I mean, if I were to only do size, athleticism measurables as maybe a threshold criteria and not really kind of give extra credit for, you know, maybe some elite types of traits that you'd see with a guy like Bichon. I I mean, it's not that Gibbs is very lacking, you know, maybe in the size frame size department, but you know, if we use that as a threshold and we talk about the skill displayed on the field, Gibbs would be my number one guy. Um, So I wouldn't, take it away. And I, and I kind of stand by my comp earlier of uh, when, you know, when we talked on the the preview show with running backs, you know, Alvin Kamara, because that contact balance is again, just one of those things that just showed up again last weekend, several runs. I mean, one of his first runs, he was wrapped by a D lineman with a hit by a linebacker. And he somehow breaks that tackle, gets outside and gets five more yards. Like, I mean, that's, that's rare. That's, that's rare level contact balance, but even just beyond that, you know, once just more things that I know, like as this, as he gets reps in Alabama, he he gets a new environment. He gets to develop his game a little bit further and you see 
you see some explosion and acceleration that may have been underappreciated or not able to be evident at Georgia Tech. But then just his innate nature of, of the way his he plays the plays the game, the way he's able to understand all parts of the field, all moving parts together at once. He has this timing and pacing of his advance of his runs that just looks advanced level. Um, you know, whether that's a cutback, whether that's, you know, just patience, just taking a couple, you know, couple extra steps, letting his O-line, you know, play cat and mouse with the, the linebacker, letting his O-line advance and just suck him into the, you know, into the blocks and then burst around off tackle to gain, you know, eight yards on second and three, like at the goal line. This was just the types of of plays evident in this last game in a, in a big matchup and when, when his team needed him. So I, and I'll, I'll take that note of just that absolute love with, um, with Gibbs. And I want to tie us back to a new name that we haven't talked about. And that's Chase Brown, um, who currently is uh, the college football rushing leader at 733 yards. So, I mean, that's an impressive accomplishment in and of itself. He's 5'11", 205 out of Illinois. Last weekend, he had 25 carries, 129 yards, one touchdown. Um, Paul, you mind if I just kind of go straight into, um, you know, I watched one of his earlier games that had gotten cut up. And I actually have some concerns. I know we're bringing him up here, and I think we should because of this name. But when I talk about someone like Gibbs, and, and I watched, you know, I watched Brown first. I didn't watch Gibbs first. It's just that, the, you know, the evidence was sort of um, stark once I, I kind of watched Gibbs afterwards. But I even noticed just off off the start here that um, his he has um, he has some tools. And the reason and, and that's the reason that he's a he's leading rushing right now. But they're not planned out the the mental side of his game hasn't fully arrived yet and i think if it does he's a special prospect but it's not quite there yet because he's a very reactive player and that's how i that's how i laid it down is he's a he's a reactive runner and and that stems from awareness concerns where whether that's recognizing backfield penetration and having a plan even before he takes the handoff usually he's he's kind of like a computer processor where it's, what's the next task? Take the handoff. What's the next task? Avoid this backfield. What's the next task? Find this hole. What's the next task? Oh, the hole's clogged. Do something else. You know, and so he's he's not really processing all of the pieces and the whole picture moving at once. He's taking one problem, finding a solution in that problem, and then putting his, like you can even see this on the field as he runs, puts his head up, looks around, takes in the next picture of the field, does that again, rinse, repeat. And I think, I think if he goes back to school, I think if he come, I think if he gives it a little bit more time uh, to learn, because, you know, his first play, his first highlight play, he's, he stays tight. He hits off tackle going downhill, breaks a, just stiff arms a safety straight into the ground. Um, there's tools there. There's really something exciting there. 
and I think there's a lot of people who are going to like it. Um, but until, but I have to see kind of the mental side of the game first. Yeah. He was a guy that I had on my watch list when I watched 20 guys before the season started for this guy notebook, he was, he was one of the few names that I had put on the watch list as, you know, right on the rankings notebook. If you see where the draft eligible rankings are underneath is a watch list of like 10 other running back names. And he was on the list. Uh, didn't get a chance to watch him in the summer, you know, have, have seen him sparingly just, you know, in, in watching games on Saturday and I know the stats are gaudy, but, you know, some of the concerns you bring up, I, I do think they're legitimate concerns. Haven't done a full deep dive yet to really feel comfortable, you know, analyzing him at a much deeper level. But the stats he's putting up, like, that's kind of what we talk about here, right? Like, this is an evolving process and we're a, we're a small operation here that, you know, we don't have eyes on everybody. It takes time. But but when you put up those type of stats, right, it, the antenna goes up. It's like, okay, we got to kind of watch him, right? And, and now he's a guy that, yeah, if I'm going to add a running back to the scouting notebook, it's probably going to be the guy who's leading college football in rushing yards right now, right? So, like, he's going to be he's gonna be one of those guys that, that we watch early. And, and maybe we're, we're a couple weeks away from maybe us picking four guys and, and us doing one of our deep dive episodes. And maybe he – He's the running back that we kind of circle for that and and do a deeper dive on that. And, you know, maybe we pick a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver, and that's, you know, the bulk of the, the stock report that day is just doing a deep dive on a couple prospects like that. So I, I think what he's doing is impressive. I, I don't think he's a guy who's going to catapult himself into the mix of being like a day two type guy. I think this is a strong draft class. You know, you know, I look at it and I think, man, I see eight guys already that I think are all going top 100. And that's probably unrealistic, but, mm-hmm. but that's what I see already at the running back position. Eight guys who I think should definitively go in the top 100, and, and that would be a monster running back year. So then, you know, then, then it becomes, well, can he add himself to that early part of date remix? Because we know we're seeing that this year, right? With Damian yeah. Pierce, right? It's still Never a pretty, vi- yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's a viable draft stock now. You go round four, you're going to get a shot in most times in the NFL because round four is a pretty good round still for running backs. And Damian Pierce is starting and, and is looking good, and other guys in, in that fourth round are going to get an opportunity. Maybe Zamir White next year if they move on from Josh Jacobs, who's going to make that decision a little bit harder now. Uh, but you know, so these guys that we're talking about, you know, Brown, we've talked about Ibrahim in the last couple episodes, like, can they push their themselves into that early day pre-mix? Because that does then give them a, a legitimate opportunity to have a little draft capital attached to them at the running back position. Uh, but Brown's a guy I, I kind of look forward to digging in a little bit further, especially after, you know, you kind of talking about him a little bit in the one, you know, film study you got to do on him. Uh, but he's a guy that definitely want to do a little bit of a deeper dive, you know, hopefully in the near future. Yeah. Another name who might fit that bill of, you know, trying to charge up the day three, maybe into the late day two draft board is, is Chris Rodriguez jr. Who, you know, had a little bit of an NCAA issue, you know, uh, delayed his season. He made his debut last weekend. I was pretty intrigued by, what we saw on tape as like a, you know, a deeper guy that we looked into during our, our preview shows, 19 for 72 and a touchdown um, three for 40 through the air. So he was getting it done and being a big part of the offense, 
we'll we'll kind of keep going rapid fire unless there's something that you want to key in on and I'll circle back to you and let you just kind of drive down into it but you know another another name that we've got bolded here is Zach Evans you know nine carries 24 yards and a touchdown and you know we know he's returning from injury right he got pulled out last week from an injury but nine for 24 and a touchdown pales in comparison to what Quinshawn Judkins did, you know, 15, 106 yards and a touchdown. And there's not, I mean, there's, there's, this is where it's hard because there's a few explanations involved, right? Is this a talent thing? Is this a guy who's fitting the offense better? Is this an injury thing? What's going on there? And I don't know that we're going to come out of this with a good answer, but it's something you absolutely have to pay attention to. Yeah, and and listen, I'm the, I'm at the forefront of saying college statistics. I don't think really matter too much in the eyes of NFL evaluators. I I know it's the the analytic people will strongly disagree with that take, but I just think I I, I follow the NFL draft close enough, and I've been doing it for long enough to know I don't really think they care too much about what you know players do. They're more trait based, and the you know when they get them on the whiteboards and the meetings and talking to people. But at the same time, we don't see running backs go in the first round or top 40 or top 50 who don't put together a pretty strong all-around profile. That includes stats, right? So now Zach Evans, I think a lot of people thought he had a real chance to be RB2 in this class and a real chance to be maybe not a first-rounder, but in that mix to be a top 10, top 15 pick in round two, kind of where we saw Kent Walker and Brees Hall go, where we, we've seen guys like J.K. Dobbins and, and Taylor and that, that draft class, Cam Akers, right? Like in that mix. But now he never put that together at TCU. He had flashes, but he never carried a heavy workload to put this monster. So we thought this year was set up. Kiffin likes to ride his running backs make them the focal point of the offense and he does and we're seeing Judkins do that when Judkins is on the field but we haven't seen it for Evans so now like if if this kind of morphs into a dual backfield if this injury lingers in any way I don't know how anybody can look as good as the as good as the metrics might be when he gets to the combine or pro day like it's hard to look and say, look what Jameer Gibbs is doing. Look at what A-Chain's metrics are going to be. And he's showing he can handle a heavy workload. We'll see if he can hold up the whole year. Well, it's hard to think, oh, Zach Evans is going to be more highly regarded than B. John or Gibbs or A-Chain if they continue to do what they're doing. And he's kind of doing what he's been doing and not breaking out, not having that monster year that we thought. We see Judkins doing it. I think we were all expecting these games. And again, maybe it's just the injury, but they haven't even been there even when it wasn't the injury yet. We're still seeing bits and pieces of a really talented player, but we haven't seen him put it together. And running back is usually one of the ones, if you're going to go high in the NFL draft, usually you put it all together. You have a great collegiate profile. You got you test pretty well. Like It's hard to go high in, in the draft as a running back. You know, you got to put together a Kenneth Walker type year. You got to have a great athletic profile. Like to go really high, you need either all of them or one be really stand out. And right now, I, I'm not sure 
Evans is on the trajectory to to go where we thought he might be headed towards, you know, prior to this year. And, and now Junkins is just going to be a thorn in his draft stocks, you know, side, I think, for the whole year because the genie's – you're not putting the genie back in the bottle. I mean, Junkins is good. He's very good. So, like, I don't, I don't think Zach Evans being the focal point, 20 carry, 25 carry, 30 carry a game type guy – I'm not sure we're going to get a chance to see that now. And then what does that do to to his draft stock? Yeah, the narrative doesn't look good, right? I mean, you didn't really blow up at TCU, and then you transfer, and you have a few good games against inferior competition, but now you get outshined by a freshman. I mean, it. I look at Zach Evans, and I know he's got talent. Like, I put him in that realm of that, you know, right around pick 40 to 50, kind of Kenneth Walker, Joe Mixon, J.K. Dobbins. Like, that's the type of player that I think he, and the type of draft stock I think he could realistically achieve. And I thought he could be, with a great year, challenging, you know, Bijan Gibbs for really, you know, somebody in that tier. But it doesn't, it's, it doesn't look good. And, you know, we do have to also highlight, you know, he's had off-field concerns too. It's just that's that's not a that's just another thing that he's not forcing teams to say we we have to invest in this guy and it's we can't miss out on him that's i think that's a tough one i don't know if this actually will end up resulting in his stock slipping because again i don't think his play has slipped at all but that's something to be we talked about putting your ear to the ground for guys like Jaron Hall and what the NFL thinks about him. It's one of those things where it's not just watch how Evans is playing and see what he's doing kind of on the box score. It's another ear in the like ear to the ground moment. Um, why don't I just, uh, I hit rapid fire here with an- Anaya Smith with, um, you know, he, it kind of under, it went under the radar. I don't think I heard it anywhere else, but as I'm looking at where's, where's Smith in the box score here, he got a leg fracture last week um, versus Arkansas and he's out for the season. So I'm really curious, does this mean he's coming back? I thought he has a chance to be one of the top wideouts, especially when everybody else is, is had a very quiet year. I thought he could come out and be a very Josh Dotson like prospect for, for the NFL I don't know that we'll be able to see that this year. And it certainly feels like even day two could be a stretch, but it's not like a lot of other receivers are really making their case for it. Again, Kayshawn Booty, one for four. Jermaine Burton, one for 14. Quinton Johnston, four for 41. I mean, these are quiet games. You know, the only thing that's sort of really saving this draft class at wide receiver are our slot wide receivers you know, where Jordan Addison had another big game, eight for 105. Josh Downs had a big game, another big game. After having four touchdowns in the prior two weeks, eight for 120. Jacob Cowing, 12 for 180 and one. And Zay Flowers, even with Boston College, had a massive game himself, five for 151 and two, and adding some, some production on the ground too. Where do you want to go with this? You know, is there anything you want to touch on for Aeneas Smith? you know, we're slot receivers are outshining our sort of outside guys. And we know it's a new NFL. How does, 
what I'm very curious about what you think about maybe some of the players, if you want to key in on one or two of them, but even just, I find this fascinating from an expectations on the NFL draft at the wide receiver position too. Yeah. So let's start with Aeneas Smith first, because I do think just from the, 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 my early impression was the NFL community wasn't as high on Aeneas Smith as I was and as you were. But I do think that a strong year this year, I kept saying, could he have that late breakout? Because he's always been talented, but he hasn't really had a a monster year. I thought he was maybe going to have like the Kadarius Tony trajectory of great final season in college, kind of ride that momentum, great senior bowl, pre-draft process, you know, and, and maybe be in the mix to be, you know, a top 50 pick. But I, I didn't. I didn't get the impression after I after I did my scouting over the summer. When then I like to kind of see what's out there. You didn't see Aeneas Smith in too many people's top fives or nobody's top fives. Not really anybody's even top tens. So I don't think he was in that mix right now. So I feel like that's probably a hundred percent off the table. I think he needed a really strong year to to kind of push his way into that mix. So now I think if he comes out, you're probably talking, and I do think he'll probably come out. He, he's already a senior. Uh, I doubt he red shirts and goes back. He had some, he had some off the field thing. It got cleared up, but it still was out there. So I'd be surprised if he goes back to school again. Because then if he gets another injury, so my guess is he kind of throws his hat into the mix. The injury's early enough in the year that maybe he he's a full go by the time like. The, the real heart of draft. I don't know. I, I, you know, we've seen things, you know, turnarounds and times now is a leg fracture less serious than an ACL and an Achilles. I mean, we're seeing guys come back in Achilles in eight months. ACLs are tremendous. The, the speed at which guys come back in the ACL now is like six months. So I don't know where a leg fracture kind of fits in. It, it probably sounds like it would be less, you know, even though it, it's a broken leg, but I, but I, but I feel Bones like, heel. I found that one out. Bones heal yeah. ligaments. That's that stays with you. Yeah. So, so I think my guess is, yeah, he's out the year, but my guess is he could even be a full go maybe by the combine in March. Like, I don't, I don't know if that's out of the realm of possibility, maybe a senior bowl or, or an all-star game might be, might be pushing it, but maybe, maybe the combine in early March is, is, is a shot or definitely a pro day in April. So, so I think he probably now is more of a day three type guy, but he'll definitely be one of my day three type guys that, you listen, I thought Wondell, Wondell was going to be a day three type guy, right? I still kept him, you know, I had him as like number seven wide receiver. I'm not moving an I Smith out of my top 10 just because he's been there all along. I think this is a down class and I think he's still, yeah. you know, one of the best movement. He's got one of the best movement, mm-hmm. you know, skills in this class and I'm intrigued by him. So I'll still like him, but I think it, it hurts his draft stock. And for sure, I think probably to day three, you brought it all up. This this wide receiver class is not living up to expectations. And then the slot guys are. But again, it's very – I think it's becoming harder and harder because schemes can be created to create space for slot guys. We see college statistics very gaudy from the slot position. NFL – college teams aren't putting their best corners – inside NFL defenses schemes are starting to do more of that at times. Right. 
But in college, I don't really think like those guys are like outside the top corners, mostly play on the outside. So you could hide guys, you can move guys inside. I don't see, I don't think we're seeing as much top level corners go inside and, and guard the five foot nine slot receiver too often. So I think part of it is they're, they're being matched up you know, in advantageous situations, they're being schemed. And then they're just like their quickness and stuff, just for who they're matched up against. It's just too hard for some of these guys. Like guys can't stay with guys like Josh Downs and Jacob Cowing. And we're seeing Zay Flowers really put together the year. I think people thought he was going to have last year. So this, the slot receivers are strong, but I do think part of it is, the environment that they're in part of it is the offensive scheme part of it is the lack of quality nickel corners at the collegiate level but where it kind of morphs itself into is i don't know what it does in terms of the nfl draft because that that what we thought we had a couple prototypical outside x receivers in, in booty in Butte and burden and quinton johnston and you know those guys are doing nothing so far this year like you know Again, I, I get that it's a traits-based league and they draft players on traits. And even when we were talking about Zach Evans, we were talking about Zach Evans being a top 50 pick. I, he's not going to fall out of date. Uh, he's not going to fall out of round three, probably, if he declares, because we saw guys like Tyrion Davis-Price going round three. Like Zach Evans is enormously more talented than a player like that. But we're talking, for Zach Evans, we were talking top 50. For guys like Burden and Quinton Johnson and Boutte, we were talking first round. So they're not living up to the expectations. And then with the success of guys who've came into the league, smaller players, does it open the door for guys like Addison and Downs to go even higher than maybe we thought they could go? I think it's legitimately a real possibility because we're seeing these guys just not have the years. I mean, every week, I feel like TCU is putting together these great offensive performances. And I look at the box score if I'm not watching that game and I'm kind of expecting eight, one fifty and two from Johnston and it's never there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think you're there and I, I do feel like there's more need in the NFL for these outside wide receivers. I feel like we've got a lot of good, you know, slot players, you know, lining up out there and, and a lot of teams, offensive teams are scheming are, are learning from the college game and scheming some of their best players into the slot. Right. Like we've seen guys, you know, like uh, DJ Mark kind of got, you know, when he was used well, you know, find his way in there. Um, so it is, it is pretty fascinating. And I do think team needs will really, that's the hard thing with wide receivers. It's not just one position, you know, they're very different positions and, and they're almost, you know, it's almost, too different that it's really about what the team needs are. And I think that that could really potentially open the door for more running backs, especially once when we talk about guys like McIntosh or Corum or Vaughn, who, you know, who can be more weapons for teams. Maybe they find their way into, you know, the top hundred, you know, where, you know, wide receiver just has been somewhat disappointing. And, and one last thought on Anaya Smith, like you mentioned, like maybe that's a day three pick. Now I, that was kind of in the, my gut reaction as well, but he will be my Mo Ibrahim at the wide receiver position because it is a player. I love, love his, I love his play. Um, it's just, you know, it's a little bit heartbreaking to see him, you know, potentially lose out on a bit of draft stock. Let me just do a rapid fire here. I, I did promise a couple watch list names, and I'm just, just going to hit the names here. Um, Jordan Travis at quarterback, Florida State. 
Uh, he's he's one that I've seen while watching others. Hunter Lupke out of North Dakota State. I've noticed his box scores really flashing lately. He's he's extremely productive. Kendra Miller is on his second big game in a row, stepping in for uh, Zach Evans' shoes at TCU. Um, Kaylin Laybourne at Marshall. When I looked at you know uh, Brown, Chase Brown leading FBS in rushing, he's number two, and he even had a good game against Notre Dame. So this isn't just cupcake competition there. So that's that's eyes I need to get on him, as well as a guy named Xavier. Uh, Valade uh, out of ASU. Um, I noticed him on the USC game. Um, I'm going to run to a quick Debbie slant too, because we have a few time, uh, you know, a few names to really hit on, on the NFL side of things. And there's one name I really wanted to highlight. You know, we have the same, same players doing the same things. Caleb Williams, Drake May, Xavier Worthy. You got good names there. I, you know, I've heard more buzz lately about JJ McCarthy uh, out of Michigan and so that's a that's a name that it wasn't any gaudy stats, but that's that's one name I'm looking forward to taking a peek at, just seeing what he's got, and maybe ch- starting to profile the growth. We've talked a lot about Raheem Sanders, but he had a good game versus Alabama. So it's just one thing to note that the production is even there against the top level top competition. Um, I'll just touch quick on Dorian Singer. He's emerging as a number two. Every time I go watch Jacob Cowing, he comes and flashes a few plays every game, you know, and he's starting to, you know, really step up and dominate for, you know, the Arizona wide receiver core. But a guy that we talked a little bit about last week um, who had another pretty good game this weekend is Jaden Ott out of Cal, right? Another West coast guy. Maybe I'm a little biased for, for the best coast here, but 16 carries, 69 yards and a touchdown, seven for 41 through the air. He's a true freshman. He's out there trying to make plays with the limited snaps and limited opportunities he gets. But he really hit the radar because the previous week he had essentially a Reggie Bush game, 19 carries, 274 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, and when you watched it, he flashed every single trait you want out of an elite running back as a freshman. We, if if Jaden Ott is not one of your top two or three freshman running backs for Debbie and not one of your top 10 Debbie running backs in general, including, I would say, you know, a few of the names from this upcoming 2023 class, you know, you're sleeping on him a little bit. So he's he's really got to be on your radar. He's a must grab wherever you can get him. He's he's a priority player because we're going to see some electric playmaking out of him. Anything you want to add? Well, before we jump over to the NFL side of things, Paul. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say the one thing you kind of mentioned there with McCarthy out of Michigan is that scheme and offense doesn't really allow doesn't really enable the quarterback to I think put up like the gaudy stats that we sometimes see in college so I do think watching McCarthy and his development there it'll be interesting because I don't think just it's his Harbaugh's nature right like you know we'll see him run Blake Corum 30 times right we'll see them pound the football play good defense it's not really in their DNA to you know play the arcade style up and down the field so I, I think with a guy like McCarthy, it's going to be interesting because it's going to be more about really how does he manage the game? 
What does he do in big moments? And then the traits that he possesses that we see in spots, because it's not going to be one of those guys that jumps out of the box score. It's not going to be, you know, the, the, the 400 yards, four touchdown type games. They're just not going to, they're not, he, Michigan quarterbacks aren't going to put games up like that unless they really, you know, get in a, a situation where it's a, it's a real shootout or something, but that's not going to be what we see as the focal point of that. So he's an kind of like the Notre Dame quarterbacks too right it'll be in despite of the program not necessarily because of it exactly so so it doesn't mean he can't be a highly regarded prospect it doesn't mean he can't be a first round quarterback at some point but it just means that like our expectations for him and it kind of goes back to what i was saying like statistics are very misleading in college they're not it's Mm -hmm. not apples to apples whether it's based on the level of competition whether it's based on the scheme that they run what they're asked to do like it's very hard to look at statistics in college and see the whole picture without a lot of context. And I think that is going to be needed as we evaluate McCarthy over the years and, and we see him kind of morph into, you know, a, a draft caliber prospect to understand that it, we can't compare his touchdowns and his yardage totals to other guys in college because they're not going to look like CJ Stroud. They're just not right. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe if they get in a game against Ohio state and he's pushed to the, you know, he's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, they get, they get pushed a little bit, then maybe we, we'll have to see him get an opportunity in that, but those are going to be very few and far between. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're spot on. Why don't you spearhead us through NFL here, especially on the rookie report? Sure. So, you know, we'll start again with the, the, the two minute drill kind of thing. Damian Pierce continues to look good. I mentioned the name before, but a hundred percent rush air, you know, more targets than Rex. He, that first week where it looked like they just maybe didn't trust him for whatever reason, he looks like now he's solidified that backfield role. Uh, Rashad White is starting to take over a little bit more work in the Bucks backfield. I, I think they understand that Leonard Fournette, especially at his age, can't be playing 86, 87% of the snaps. And it looked like last night that they just were given whole series to Rashad White, and even if they went down to the red, uh, the, they're in the red zone or at the goal line, they weren't bringing Fournette in. It was Rashad White's series, so I think that's promising uh, for Rashad White. If Leonard Fournette was to go down this year, I think you're talking about a legitimate guy who could be a, a league winner in like a redraft setting. But I think we're starting to see him get a little bit more comfortable with Tom Brady, and I think you could envision down the line him being a guy who's was very fancy viable mixed with that running and receiving capabilities. I still think his receiving capabilities will be his bread and butter, but he also has the size to at least be a functional runner. Uh, But I think his pass catching will be where, you know, it really, you know, he really shines. Uh, I would still say buy low on James Cook. They continue right now. They're giving Devin Singletary a really heavy workload and everything they've ever done prior to this year says that's not really ideally what they want. Uh, they, they tried to make Zach Moss a, a, a thing again this year. He just isn't. Uh, Buffalo's offense has kind of been ho-hum the last two weeks. I, part of that's weather this past week. Uh, last week was a weird game with Miami. But at the same time, they wanted Cook. They invested high in Cook. I just think it's a matter of when, not if. He he becomes a little bit bigger role. And then Traylon Burks, we got to watch the injury. He started to run the most routes in, in that Titans wide receiver group with Robert Woods, but now turf toe, uh, that is sometimes something that could be really, uh, you know, uh, 
in a nuisance for, for a long period of time, especially for a receiver. So that might sideline him for a while. So those are the quick things. The the more thorough uh, guys I wanted to go into, Kenny Pickett was named the starter moving forward. He took over for Mitchell Trubisky yesterday, 10 of 13, 120 yards. Somehow his three, you know, non-completions were all interceptions. Uh, he had two rushing touchdowns. We saw the highs, we saw some lows. Uh, but but I think the intriguing part of him is understanding, put him out there. He offers more to the pass catchers. Uh, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to have some spiked weeks because of those pass catchers, especially with Pittsburgh not having as good of a defense this year as they've had uh, you know, in the past. It looks like he's got a connection with George Pickens already. You saw that yesterday. So I think, you know, Kenny Pickett slash George Pickens is a duo to keep an eye on. I think Pickett being inserted into the lineup is also a positive uh, for George Pickens there as well. I have my doubts that Pickett could ever be more than like, you know, a high level QB two and maybe probably settle in as a mid QB two or low QB two, but he's got the weapons around him. Let's see what he can do. Uh, they weren't going anywhere with Trubisky. It was time to get the rookie in there. So I'm glad that happened. Brees Hall just continues to take a larger share of the pie in that Jets backfield. And, you know, I, I updated all my dynasty ranks. If you're a, you know, a premium subscriber, I think that, I think how high you start pushing Brees Hall now is a legitimate question because Javante Williams out the year. The rest of this year is a lost year, and then he's got to come back. And, you know, it, it wasn't just the ACL. They said there was a couple of issues in the knee, you know, and he's never been a, a bell cow anyway. So it's like, you know, we're already seeing Brees Hall handle more bell cow duties than Javante Williams did ever at his time in Denver or even in college. So I, I, I bumped Brees Hall over Javante Williams. He, he's been bumped over some of the older guys like Kamara, who I think are starting to – a little bit, you know, to be concerned about some of these guys. So I, I think Hall's on the rise. And then Romeo Dobbs, he's building that chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. He's seeing a playing time bump, even with Watson back. You know, utilization looks good. He's a guy that they're doing some of those back shoulder type things that Rodgers and Devontae Adams, you know, were always in sync with. It looks like Dobbs might be the guy he starts to have that comfort level with on, on some of those back shoulder rows. Uh, Dobbs would be a guy that I'd be buying right now of still people. And I'm not usually a guy who's looking to buy day three guys, but Dobbs is a guy who, who I liked in college. And, and I kind of feel like he's the guy that's earning Aaron Rodgers' trust. So he'd be a guy that I'd be intrigued with. And one last name, and then Jeff, I'll open it up if anybody you want to touch on or expand upon. Sky Moore, I watched the game last night. He's slowly starting to see his snap percentage increase. I think last night it was 28 or 30%. Uh, Juju Smith was down a little bit. Michael Harmon's was down a little bit. So I think we're still a ways off of him being fantasy viable. But I do think we're starting to see him eating a little bit into, you know, other people's playing time and giving him the opportunity uh, to rise there in the Kansas city wide receiver depth chart. So Jeff, any thoughts on anybody I either hit on either in the two minute drill or Pickett hall, Romeo Dobbs. Uh, I think those are the things that probably stood out from the rookies this past weekend. Yeah. And you know, maybe I'll just kind of share first with Brees hall. Like I think he's, I, I redid my, 
dynasty ranks too. And I think I just need to copy them to the new version of the, the 2023 version of the rankings notebooks, but Brees Hall's number seven for me, you know, and it's utilization that we want to see. And even though Carter, it doesn't take away anything from Carter, but when you have someone who's, we talked about it with Quinshawn Judkins, when you, especially when your competition is also talented and you're taking touches away from them. It means more to me. Um, Kenny, Kenny Pickett, I want to touch on, I mean, I think it's great to see the chemistry with George Pickens and, and Pickens had a hundred yard game. So I think, I think that's great to see. And I think there's going to be some growing pains. Um, I'm with you though. When, when we came in, we did his profile, his rookie profile. I think you, you know, whether it was Mac Jones or, or Kenny Pickett, it, it, it it was kind of the same sort of story as, you know, what is he going to be, you know, good Andy Dalton? Uh, is he going to be bad Kirk Cousins? You know, let's just say Mac Jones is on the the trajectory to, to sort of Kirk Cousins. I think that kind of leaves Kenny Pickett as our sort of maybe good, okay to good Andy Dalton type player. And I, I mean, I'm sure he... He's more talented than I ever am. So I, you know, take the challenge on and prove me wrong. I'm all about that. But I I just, my expectations for it are a lower ceiling player at the NFL level. Um, The one thing I really like is it's a stable organization. And you're not just investing in the players, you're investing in the organizations. We saw it with Trevor Lawrence when it was, Urban Meyer, it didn't matter how generational of a prospect you had. When there's a dumpster fire around you, there's nothing you can do to transcend that. And when there's a pristine organization around you for Kenny Pickett, you're going to have you're going to have the wind at your back, and and you're going to have every affordance, you know, to really reach your potential. So that's the one, that's the thing to hang your hat on with Pickett in my mind. You know, yeah, Romeo Dubs, look, um, even with Christian Watson back, and I I had some major Christian Watson concerns, I didn't think Romeo Dubs would be emerging at the level that he is now. At least, um, at least what we're seeing, I think is is a pleasant surprise. And I think it is worth, worth buying into. Yeah, I mean, I I think this year is going to be interesting because I'm usually a little gun-shy about day three guys, but Pierce and Dobbs are two guys that are making me believe a little bit on the earlier side and maybe, you know, getting burned a little bit about being so resistant last year to how high and how much I was willing to buy in on Amon Ra. And I still think he's an extreme outlier. And I think more times than not, not being in on day three guys will benefit you than it will hurt you. But, but I do think these are both unique scenarios where Houston has a lot of holes. I I'm not sure they're going to be ready to invest in a premium free agent dollars or premium draft pick in a running back. Now it is an amazing class as we've alluded to. So could I see them fitting one of those type guys like Deuce Vaughn or Blake Corum or Devin A. Chain to pair with uh, Damian Pierce in day two? Yeah, for sure. So we'll see about that. Uh, And Romeo Dobbs, like if Aaron Rodgers comes back and plays another year, Green Bay might just keep throwing more assets at that wide receiver position, kind of like to appease him. And just because they know that they probably need it. So 
that does make it a little scary, especially if they want to go out. You know, money wasn't the reason why they lost Devontae Adams, right? If you follow it closely, it, just, it sounded like Devontae Adams just wanted out and he wanted Vegas. So it's not like they weren't willing to pay him the money so they could also be in the free agent mix. So it is a little a little bit of a dicey proposition, but I'm not also an Alan Lazard guy. So even if they went out and got somebody else, to me, it doesn't mean that Romeo Dobbs can't be a really good number two in Green Bay. Maybe not a number one, which I don't think anybody should be looking at him. I think you should be looking at him as maybe a wide receiver four, five right now with some wide receiver three upside at times. And I, I think that's where you probably kind of value him, you know, even even in dynasty circles. And if you can get him for like, you know, I don't know, maybe probably can't get him for like a mid or late second round uh, rookie pick right now, but kind of kind of see the ebbs and the flows of this year. If Christian Watson has a big week or two at some point and Dobbs is quiet, I, I think that could be a little bit of a buying window there for sure. So let's take this to the dynasty stock report to kind of end the night. And all my focus was on wide receivers. So let me, let me bring up some names here, Jeff, and, and then kind of, you know, you kind of, you know, talk through a little bit of this. The first one is Rashad Bateman. And this is an interesting one because Rashad Bateman is, he has some stats this year, but they've been on like a few big plays, which not really what I thought his calling card would be. And then I think it's kind of got lost in the shuffle because he's had those touchdowns and those big plays is that he hasn't been playing what you would expect the number one wide receiver, right? Number one wide receivers played the good majority of the snap high snap percentages. And Bateman's has been like, not nearly what you would expect. And then this week, the playing time went down again. Uh, after the game, Jim Harbaugh was asked if it was, I mean, John Harbaugh was asked if it was an injury or performance related. And he had some weird answer was, you know, I don't know. We'll have to look at the film, which basically was saying it wasn't injury related. Cause if it was an injury, he probably would have said some general injury issue. Uh, so yeah, I mean, they're playing like Demarcus Robinson. They're, they're playing guys like, Duvernay, like these guys are getting like snap percentages at or better than Bateman, which seems really weird. So like there, there's definitely a little something going on. I think be, that we, that we're not privy to kind of not different, but also not completely different where we know that even when Kadarius Tony was healthy, there was some other stuff behind the scenes that we just aren't aware of. There's gotta be some other things behind the scenes, whether it's, work ethic. I mean, listen, we went through this last year, Brandon Ayuk too, right? There's things that we just aren't privy to that, you know, there has to be something else going on with, with, with why Bateman is not playing almost a hundred percent of the snaps as their main wide receiver there. So I just thought it was interesting. It could be a little bit of a buy opportunity because I am a, still a believer in him and, and a lot of really good people are, including, you know, Matt Harmon loves them and a lot of people do. So I thought it was at least noted noteworthy to bring up that his playing time's been down cd lamb ever since we started talking about him is eh, maybe he's not warranted being as high as we had him he's kind of he's kind of turned it on with, with weirdly with cooper rush and not Dak prescott behind there but he he's starting to morph into the, the alpha clear top level wide receiver so that's good to see so i, I think he's right there back in the mix uh, after the first couple wide receivers in, in Dynasty. Gabe Davis hype has slowed a little bit, whether it's been injury-related. Um, I'm not really – I don't think I'm ready to be concerned yet. I, I do think that the slow start to the year, I would maybe take that opportunity to buy him. 
I, I want to I want to be attached to that offense, and and I think he's shown enough uh, big moments where I, I think he's going to get every opportunity to be the long term wide receiver two there. So he's interesting, and then Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, their value has not been impacted much, if at all, by Geno Smith. They might even be throwing the ball more now. I think with Geno Smith, which is really ironic, uh, and, and might say something about Russ Wilson, but. I do think there might need to be some uh, review of where people dropped Lockett and DK in their rankings because I do think people might have overvalued the, and I know I did too. So I, I have fixed it a little bit and I have gotten DK back into, let me see where I put them. Uh, I got DK back into, I have him now in my back into my top 12. So back into being a clear wide receiver one, he had dropped a little bit out of that for me. Uh, and I think I, I think I was a little too overly worried and even Lockett. I think he's more of a redraft guy, but obviously still in dynasty. So exists even him, I, I dropped too far. So I don't think I'm the only one that reacted that way with the loss of Russ Wilson with, Geno Smith slash Drew Locke, the quarterbacks in play for this year. So I do think there might need to be some corrections in order uh, on people's rankings of the Seahawks receivers because it looks like they're going to be just fine, even with the likes of Geno back there. Yeah, look, that that story, Seattle quarterback, Denver quarterback, it is one of the most fascinating ones, I think, of the NFL storylines this year. Um, and I don't think it necessarily is highlighting maybe a talent discrepancy between those two guys that might not be as big as what we once saw. I think it has a lot more to do with, you know, the way that Seattle wants to play is a very scripted offense. It's, it's very kind of almost Kyle Shanahan, like, right. Where, you know, we want you to manage the game and we'll win it as a team versus, and you know, that's not the recipe for, that's not the recipe that you can solely rely on to win Super Bowl championships. I mean, we talk about that with like the Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes game, right? You need players that'll win games, not just coaching and talent and schemes. That said, you know, it actually looks like Seattle is in some level of competency for this year, way more than we expected. And I think you're right. I, I have Lockett and DK closer than most will for dynasty ranks. I mean, there's still a a good 30 spot gap, but I think that production is going to look similar between the both of them. It's just that DK has a little bit of the more freak nature and, and he's got the youth on his side. You know, I think, um, you know, I, with CD lamb, what we, while we were talking last week, what we, didn't get the chance to see was all those drops, right? We didn't, you know, he's still getting the utilization that I kind of expected going in with all the targets, but his level of play isn't that of what you expect from a guy like Justin Jefferson. He's not in that tier from a fantasy lens. He might be. Um, But when you're, when I'm nitpicking and, and nitpicking hairs to get into that elite level zero top tier, no brainer, you've really got to stand out as some of the best of the best. Um, let me touch quickly once on Bateman and then I'll, I'll kind of move over to the Buffalo situation. 
Um, the one thing I did see today somewhere on the newswire was that Bateman is coming through with a midfoot sprain or a midfoot issue. And that is definitely something that could limit the effectiveness and the availability of a wide receiver playing through it would be pretty monumental effort. Um, though that's not something that'll just magically get better if you keep playing on it. So we could be looking at potentially significantly reduced fantasy production this year, especially if those snaps never don't go over 70, 80%. But I do think what we're seeing is the talent show through, right? I mean, he, I think one of his big plays was a slant that was, you know, partially on Lamar for placing it exactly where it needed to be, but partially on him to pull out stops that we just didn't think that we'd see at the NFL level. But uh, I think what you're seeing is he's a buy for the long term. It just might be not, it might not emerge out of the blue, out of nowhere to a superstar level, like what we might be seeing with, with guys like Alave or London or, Jefferson, whatnot. Um, let me circle back to Buffalo, you know, to close it out before I give you any parting thoughts. But I had, and you and I talked a lot about this uh, leading into this uh, draft season. But I mean, I'm always a fan of of UCF players. So Gabe Davis, like he, he's got a spot in my heart. But the hype got kind of out of control there. I mean, we saw a four touchdown game, but so much of his production is because of the team around him, especially Stefan Diggs just gives him so much openings. And that's something to be mindful of, but I don't think we're talking about a guy like T Higgins who's earning it on his own right. And that's something that we have to be wary of, especially because, and we've seen it year in and year out, even with Josh Allen with Buffalo, the slot role in Buffalo is a very important role. And we're seeing, I I was even looking at it this morning they have the slot role, actually not even the slot role, just Isaiah McKenzie has more targets than Gabe Davis on the year, even if you do it per game basis with Davis's missed game. And then if you factor in the slot role with Crowder out for the year and now McKenzie probably getting all those snaps, the slot role has significantly more targets. They use that role as a weapon and it's not just going to funnel to Gabe Davis because we want it to. And so I was in this season on, you know, I was hedging with Crowder, but I was in this season on Isaiah McKenzie because he is a very dynamic playmaker. Like he will, he will hit splash plays for them. And, and that's, again, we look at that Kansas city game and we say, what do you need? You need, you don't need somebody to get, you know, six yards on first and 10, keep you on script. Like you need somebody who's going to turn like a Debo Samuel or, um, or like a Tyreek Hill, you need someone who's going to turn a slant into a touchdown or a swing pass or a screen or just get down the get down the sideline or get lost in the defense. And that's the type of play like Isaiah McKenzie can do. And so he's notably higher in my rankings. And I think I, I just would pre- preach a little bit of caution on buying too far into Gabe Davis. I want in on the pieces, but I want in on the pieces without having to pay over you know a pretty high price and so i go for the i personally would go for the, the cheaper ones yeah I, I think that makes i think that makes some sense 
I do think there's enough to kind of appease everyone. They don't throw to the tight ends a lot. Anybody in New York is also seeing that. Just I know Dawson Knox can get some touchdowns, but they're just not going to be a heavy target. I think right now so much is funneling through the running backs. Is that sustainable? I think it'll probably shift a little bit more back towards the wide receivers, and that'll that'll kind of fall. I think some more of that work will end up. Gabe Davis's way, but I think like you talked about McKenzie, he's locked in because that slot role is super important. We saw it last year. We saw once Brian Dable came to New York, how important they valued that slot thing and they targeted, you know, Wondell Robinson to play that role. So that role is going to be important. I still would. I, I do think now his stock is fallen a little bit Gabe Davis so I do think there might be a window where maybe you can buy a little bit lower now that that four touchdown game is plenty in the rear view mirror people aren't buying you know people aren't making decisions I think so much on that anymore we're now four weeks into the year he missed one game he came back whether he's playing with injury or not we don't really know I know he's playing every snap so he's out there but he he hasn't seen a lot of targets he hasn't seen much besides that first game uh, where he was productive. So so it's interesting to follow. And, you know, we'll keep a close tabs also on two running backs, and maybe we'll bring them up next week, is Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs, who were kind of in that running back dead zone, are, are, are playing their best football of their careers. So it, it's going to be interesting to kind of talk about them in, from the dynasty perspective. So we'll revisit them next week. Uh, Jeff, we'll make sure we kind of put them on our radar, you know, Vegas didn't pick up that option, so it, it it opens up to the unknown a little bit, and I think that makes his dynasty value even harder to kind of peg because we don't we we don't even know like oh he at least has one more year of being maybe an integral part of that offense. It's a complete unknown, and where he ends up, and even Miles Sanders, right? Kent Gainwell is slowly getting a little bit of work. Jalen Hurts is there. Uh, great passing offense now with A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith. But I do think they weren't a conversation because they're playing the best football of their careers. Uh, so we will revisit those two running backs. Tonight's Dynasty Stock Report really honed in on the wide receivers. Jeff, any final thoughts before we call it a night? Yeah, well, both those running backs are free agents. And one final thought was um, you talked about uh, just the importance of the slot role and day ball you know, going to New York and, and drafting Wandale Robinson. And hey, I mean, it just circles back to, you know, when we, our very first segment and we're talking about, okay, well, we may not have really good outside profile wide receivers, but look at, look at these slot guys. And I know people like Khalil Shakir and I like Isaiah McKenzie, but goodness, could you imagine one of these dynamic draft eligible 23 slot wide receivers going to Buffalo? I think that's something that people get really excited about. Yeah, absolutely, and that's going to be fun to follow for sure. So, on behalf of Jeff, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, thank you for joining us, and we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.